0: The Ask School Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton.
1: I'm Alison Colwell. I'm a teacher. Um, I've been a school leader for um, the last fifteen or so years, and uh, I'm yeah. You know, it's a real privilege to do that job and to be a teacher.
0: We're going to talk about this book of yours, which is called No Excuses: Turning Around One of Britain's Toughest Schools, and it, it most definitely brought back memories for me of what it was like to be both a, a, a deputy head. Uh, A head teacher dealing with sometimes stroppy kids, sometimes very, very stroppy parents. So we'll talk about the book in a second, but just give us a a little bit of the flavour of your career, first of all.
1: Okay, so I worked for 27 years in the UK, predominantly, well, all all in state education and predominantly in so called challenging schools, schools in special measures, schools in difficult circumstances, because um, that's what I'm really passionate about. I'm passionate about schools and education and that all children deserve the right to a great Uh, a great schooling and so that's what I chose to do to working to go into schools that as I say were were struggling and to work with fantastic people to 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 help to sort of improve schools the whole phrase of turning around is sometimes a bit sort of over dramatic isn't it but to work with great people to to improve schools and to make children's experience in schools um, a better one. I was never on a mission to be a teacher I always wanted to do a job that had a good moral purpose and made a difference and I Went into the police service for four years, um, uh, and I'm still a big fan of, of of the police service, despite their their current bumps in the road. Um, so no, I hadn't always wanted to be a teacher. I haven't got a family history of that, but I just wanted to, as I say, do a job that impacted and 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 was important. And my own experience of education as a child was a very very positive one. And uh, had had you always worked in in schools which
0: would be deemed challenging?
1: predominantly pretty much for the 27 years that I was in the UK prior to moving overseas um yeah predominantly they were they were yeah, you know, failing schools schools in special measures challenging yeah
0: and what's what's the motivation then for, for that because you know I, I had 15 years of headship in a school which I think probably from the outside people would think was relatively leafy etc we all know that the reality of schools is they they change by the minute the context it doesn't always tell you everything about it definitely, But to go in, kind of, to, to in with the kind of determination that you're going to go into a challenging co- community and we'll, we'll talk a little bit specifically about your headship uh, in, in a minute what, what what why did you do that because a lot of people well, say that's
1: kind of masochistic well it's horses for courses though isn't it jeff because you know and, and i you know i love education. I love teaching. I love children. And and if people want to work in outstanding schools and keep them outstanding, I think that's brilliant. If people want to work in the independent sector, you know, rich kids need great teaching too. I just always found it very rewarding and seemed to be kind of, you know, have a relative sort of success rate in in working with great people in those schools to 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 improve them and i had a, a real the a real sense of moral purpose as do so many teachers as do so many teachers whatever schools they work in and i also think that education has become really over complicated um, it's a bit, bit of a theme in the book that's become over complicated and i think when you work in failing schools, you can you can see that even more that the things that you need to focus on and the things you need to certainly not focus on. And it's just uh, you know I not don't want to be seen I don't don't think anyone who works in tough schools wants to be seen as that. It's wherever you feel your your passion and your your skill set is is best suited. And I just always found that, as I said, extremely rewarding.
0: And what I like about the book, let's get get onto the book now, is for, first of all, it's it's got a format which is essentially, a series of diary entries. So it's got that kind of vividness of lived experience. you start in, in 2014, uh, you take us through to 2019. And then what you do is you give us an open letter to the Secretary of State for Education. So you kind of pull some of those reflections together in terms of here are the things which would improve our education system. Let's do the first bit of that first, which is the diary bit. So yeah. had you always been the kind of person who had kept a diary of stuff, and if you were, why were you doing that? Was that was that cathartic or was it <laughs> no. with a view to using it one way or another?
1: No, I, I I kept a diary when I was in my teenage years, as many of us do, and, and never since. And I actually, um, you know, wished that I had done because I didn't keep a diary through. I've never kept a diary as an adult and, and as a teacher. Um, And so it's from it's from memory. It's from, you know, notebooks. It's from email records and things to go back on that. But no, it, 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 the diary format I really, really like, you know, shamelessly ripped off of Adam K. And this is going to hurt, which I still find <laughs> just a wonderful. <laughs> (laughs) wonderful. Wonderful. No, it inspired. That inspired me to, to, you know, that Uh, that memoir that was both a celebration and a lament about, you know, the 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 medical world. I I I really found that that format. Um, it was very readable, and that's why I wanted to 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 keep that. But no, it's it wasn't. As I said, I wish I wish I had. (laughs) There was times during the sort of going back and forth with the publishers, I wish I had you know kept those records more more accurately but you know what it is a school lead you don't really have time to do that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely that, that's the, that's the reason I kind of marvel at how, how you managed to uh, keep, keep tabs on all the stuff that had happened and let's let's talk about some of that stuff because some of it is hilarious some of it is hilarious in a pretty dark kind of way lots of it will be recognizable to people because essentially what you do is you go to a school in an area that i think it's fair to say has lost its faith in education education isn't seen as part of the solution to stuff and you do what so many of us do you go in try to set high expectations put the boundaries yeah. really clear on stuff like uniform not because uniform is the most important thing but because you need to have some markers that we're under new management so could you take us back to the school the community the context why you applied for it in those early days there
1: yeah, I mean that's a really good phrase about the markers because, and and you'll you'll read that in the book, you know, and I'm sure you maybe had this in your time. And any school leader will recognise a number of times parents say, but you know, a haircut, you know, the length of their skirt doesn't affect education. And 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 you kind of get, you don't want to get sidelined by those sort of non-secretors. And the point about markers of high expectation, high standards is is exactly that. And the school was. know it was a failing school it had it had a poor reputation and that makes me really sad Uh, uh, i had my school i went to had a great reputation and it makes me sad that a child isn't proud of the school they went to there were all the challenges and all the sort of um signs of of a a failing school hard to recruit teachers poor behavior falling numbers obviously poor academic results uh, etc etc and um yeah, yeah. So when you when you go in, as you said, the first thing is to sort of make it make it really clear the expectations, the standards, the the non the non-negotiables that that you have. And and yeah, we may, you know you meet opposition, but again, it's 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 encouraging the number of families and young people in these communities who that they want that they want standards, they want structure, they they don't want to be in a failing school with a bad reputation, they want. Lovely, wonderful teaching that inspires them and that they remember. So, you know, it was, I don't, yeah, it it was, as I said, as I said at the beginning, that's the sort of work that I find uh, utterly rewarding.
0: <laughs> it does bring you into dispute with parents. When I mean, you've got a lovely example, this is from um, o- October 2014. Uh, Cheryl marches defiantly towards me, no stud resplendent. Cheryl is one of the more challenging students in year eight. And what you say is, in brackets, challenging is such a wonderful euphemism used the teaching world over. It's a useful shortcut for when teachers really want to say rude, argumentative, disrespectful, stroppy, aggressive, disruptive, and clearly badly brought up. Uh, And what she says to you is, my dad's just paid 30 pounds for that. And your response is, well, you're gonna have to take it out anyway, Cheryl. You you were not someone who ducked a fight, were you? Either with parents or with young people, or indeed with, with staff who basically didn't always agree to some of the things that you were implementing?
1: N- no, I, I never ducked a fight. I occasionally actually had to duck a fist, but I mean, I didn't duck a fight because you have your mantras, don't you, that you stand firm to in those really dark hours, which, which there were many, that you, you know, that you believe in about sort of the values that you have, about children first, about why you're doing it. Um, I mean, one of the one of the things I say in the book and about, you know, lessons you learn and lessons you hopefully can pass on to others, if if you could be so bold, is is you know that whole ignore the noise, ignore the noise and the and the anger and the 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 the, the, the duck in the fight, as you say, and that's right. you know what you have to do if you can if you really care passionately like so many people in schools do about making a difference and doing what's right but you know, it's not i say this again it's not for the faint-hearted is it it's not for the faint-hearted it's very easy to uh, avoid these things to have low standards and expectations and in my opinion that's when sort of schools that aren't doing very well continue to not do very well but it, as i said we said i don't think it's over i don't think it's complicated I just think it takes a sort of dogged determination and resilience and belief that you're doing the right thing. But not everyone agrees with you, Then not everyone agrees with you.
0: And so just, just talk through that, uh, every, everyone wouldn't agree with you. Just in terms of the staff, so you've been appointed, um, you're going to start um, meeting young people etc at the beginning of term, but presumably you're meeting the staff before that and setting out a sense of here's where we might go next. How, how, how do the early meetings with staff go? So
1: overwhelmingly predominantly people were you know in agreement with what we because it wasn't just me but you know me and the the good folk around me were trying to do and I do think that most people in education you know they are aligned in, in the direction of of where they're going and the moral purpose and the high standards and wanting the best for children so but of course and I'm sure you know this when you go in and it's change and people are suspicious or people don't don't like this I think there's a a reference into the book in the book of someone who you actually said to me you know literally said you can't expect that of these children this is you know this area you just can't expect that which to me was like risible and depressing in equal measure but 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 they were not the they were not typical. Uh, I think there was a sense of people wanted to do that. They wanted leadership and direction and support because it's not just me facing um, some of these um, difficult situations. It's it's the classroom teachers, isn't it? It's the non-teaching staff, the support staff, our attendance officer. <laughs> I mean, they're in the firing line, the front line, and I, I think people just want to feel part of a. I was going to say an army, but I don't feel, um, I don't mean an army. I, I they want to feel part of an orchestra. Yes.
0: Yes. Exactly. Play, playing their part in that. And were there were there times during headship at uh, Ebsfleet that you lost your confidence or lost your nerve? You thought this this isn't going to work.
1: Um, do you know that's such a good question, Jeff? the The answer is only once, and that was during the our Ofsted inspection. And that's you know it's, that's appropriate at the moment, isn't it? With uh, with Offsted in the news and that sort of you know debate over whether a school should be just distilled into a single word and you know in the two days in between you know the night in between those two days when you know they were there was lots of challenges in that school and lots of things that, that and I did sort of have a sleepless night thinking goodness if you know if if we don't get the uh, the grading the judgment that I think we deserve you, you know I don't know but it wasn't really about losing my nerve or faith, it was just about um, wanting the best for the school and those children and all those staff who worked so tirelessly. And I, I remember that, that, that night vividly because I didn't sleep, but I mean, no, and actually, do you know what, looking back now, and I, I occasionally dip into the book again to remind myself, and there are times when I think, goodness, how did we all, how did we all stay buoyant and afloat? And, 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 Uh, you you know not with any sense of sort of martyrdom but it was so challenging but I was with such good people and and such a good team of people and that was as I said at the beginning that is the privilege and the joy when you're working in these challenging situations and you asked about you know how staff felt and that's I think that's kind of relevant because if staff feel they're part of something and supported and 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 not isolated on their own um, then then that's when you get momentum I think.
0: And you went into this uh, the, the, this school, Ebsfleet Academy it's in Swanscombe, and it was, I think, I'm right in saying, as I said before, a community that that basically didn't see this place as, you know, part of the solution. At what point did you start to sense this is working? How, how long how long did that take after you started?
1: Well, I mean, again, another very good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> On <laughs> on these on these journeys, and they are journeys. I don't I don't like that word, but I think it's true. You know, they are journeys. You can't turn them around overnight, which is a frustration, but it's also the reality. You always have people with you from the beginning, and I suppose you know what you're nuancing into is when the sort of the voice becomes you know less 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 vocal, and actually those voices of support are the ones that you 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 hear and and take home with you. And I mean maybe two, two years in when we, the exam results started to show the sort of the turnaround, that's something tangible, isn't it? Something people can say, you know, how much they might have liked things in the past. Actually, this is some really hard evidence about standards. And even if they didn't like the fact that you were imposing a dress code or they can, you know, that argument about a dress code doesn't make good exam results. or kind of, you know, there was, that was like, there was some, there's something more to think about then. But um, yeah, and, I, you know, there's still loads of people out there that, that hate what we did and hate the school and have their own narrative about things, as you know, and in the social media nonsense world that we find ourselves in. But you just have to stand true to yourself, as I say, authenticity, believing in yourself and what you're doing is right. But um, good, good, good couple of years before the sort of supportive voices were um, a little bit louder than the, the, the negative ones.
0: Yeah. What I love about the, all, all the diary part of the book is it it doesn't give one of these slightly kind of sentimentalised views of it. You, you know, you paint the picture of, of kids as kids and staff as staff, and it just, I, I, I think, has such a kind of authenticity to it. And then what you do is you, in, at the end, a very short bit, but nevertheless, you write this kind of open letter to uh, whoever the latest secretary of state happens to be. Yeah, exactly. And there, you, you, you really don't pull any punches there you know you 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 talk about what a secretary of state needs to do in terms of the funding in terms of stop some of the rhetoric about behavior uh in give a sense of trust in in teachers
1: that really was written from
0: the heart wasn't it
1: everything i write is from the heart and um that's why you know people i was gonna say people like yourself but actually jeff yourself you know you, you you're fighting the good fight you you are in those Um, you're at those high level tables you're having these conversations I doubt anybody in education in in senior levels of the government has read my book I hope they have I keep sending it out to people but you know that's that's why it's so important that they hear you with your your wisdom and your common sense and your and your um, experience and your knowledge because yeah I mean I I, thank you for saying that about the letter because it is all it is all from the heart that's that's the point of this and 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 actually one of the um, you know I just wanted to write this book and I'm so pleased it got to the shelves and it's you know I still if I see it in waterstones I get a real frisson of excitement that that's little on me has made this and I've had some amazing emails that I've I reference in the introduction to the paperback, amazing emails from random school leaders that I'll never meet that even telling you this, Jeff, sends a shiver down my spine. And equally, I've seen some of the reviews, you know, note to self, don't read reviews on Amazon, certainly not late at night. That really... Are quite damning and talk about you know self congratulatory air and patronizing to children and not caring about children and you think oh my goodness i don't think i'd have spent 31 years in education if i didn't care about children and put myself through all this if i didn't you know passionately believe in what i'm doing if there's an air of self-congratulation i'm you know i gosh i didn't edit that correctly because actually my point of this book is it's about the congratulation to the orchestra you know And that,
0: for me, it doesn't have an air of either being patronising or self congratulatory at all. It it is more, I think, something which we don't hear enough of, which is a celebration of what is it that great teachers, great leaders, and all the other staff who work in schools can go and do on behalf of children and young people who, frankly deserve better than they've had in the past I mean that for me is what the strong message of the book is but you do it without a kind of pretentiousness and you do it with this kind of authentic voice and that's me just genuinely giving you feedback as a kind of veteran English wizened English teacher that's what it feels like to me
1: and that's, as you know, you're not wizened, and you, but you are veteran in the best sense. And that means and that means everything. And there is you know, that's what I wanted to have that honesty. And along with yourself, fighting the good fight on behalf of all of us. And thank you for that. I do want to celebrate the profession because there is so much denigration and, and sort of, the, the you know, the anti-teacher narrative is never far away. You know, I'm not I'm not. I'm not in favour of strike action, just because I don't think it does any good, but also because it fuels that anti-teacher narrative, which is always within reach. And you know, we're coming up to the summer holidays. Those will be the voices that we finish at three, and we have all this this week's, you know, of holiday. So I do want to sort of celebrate the profession, but, and and I look at those schools like like Michaela that doing just extraordinary work against all sorts of odds, and I just want to sort of really they Michaela doesn't need me to promote them but I think young teachers especially need to continue to hear when you hear those depressing statistics about the numbers of young teachers leaving the profession so I want to do that and to celebrate the teaching profession but we also do need to sort of eliminate and some of the nonsense as well that does go on in teaching. You know, it's like in the police, as I said, my, my initial career, you know, I think most police officers are really decent people, not all. I think the overwhelming majority of teachers are wonderful, wonderful moral purpose people, not all. And and anyone who sort of, you know, I think we need that honesty as well, as the sort of, the, you know, the, the the passion and the holding, you know, holding government up to 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 account. We need to be honest, don't we?
0: We do. And indeed, it needs to be a profession which um, sp- speaks up for itself a bit more and s- and celebrates the stuff. So, for example, I- I've never understood why we are squeamish in talking about the holidays. If you, if, if you are somebody who has got kids and you've got a family, one of the great things is you actually get some time in the summer holidays to spend time with your family. We ought to make a big point about all of that rather than feeling we're on the defensive. And that's what I think this warts and all account that you give us here, which, uh, as I say, doesn't doesn't hold its punches, um, is just a great celebration of what our schools in some of the most challenging communities, taking your point that challenging is a euphemism, um, what, what those schools do. So congratulations to you on the book, but also for that public service in terms of what you did for, for that academy. And, um, you, you know, you won't have necessarily many voices thanking you for what you did there, like m- most of us don't. But those of us who see it, we, we recognize it. And uh, no excuses. Turning around one of Britain's toughest schools, Alison, is a terrific read. Thank you very much for, for, for talking about it with me.
1: Well, thank you for giving me that opportunity. And thank you for your kind words. They mean an enormous amount.
0: The Askell Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton.